Ladies and gentlemen, he's the samurai of student ministry, the networking ninja, a Jedi master of church budgets, the beast from the southeast, the next-gen nerd himself, CJ! Welcome back to the Next Gen Nerd Podcast. It has been a minute. For those of you that don't know, I started a new job as a middle school math teacher. Yes, I know. Picked that one in Lake Butler, Florida. And the last month has been crazy. I mean, just a word, it's been crazy. Uh, I am exhausted. It's been great. It's been very rewarding. But it's been a lot. Uh, and I've just been getting situated. So it's taken me a minute. It's It's been a little bit. Hoping to get these up a little more regularly moving forward. However, it took a hurricane and two extra days off to get this one done, so we'll see. We'll see, but I am optimistic that we'll be able to get these up a little more regularly, hopefully every two weeks, maybe more than that, we'll see. Well, today's interview, uh, it's a good one, uh, it's with returning guest Steve Valdez from Save Point Ministries. I had him on a while back and we talked about X-Men, so we went from a 90s cartoon uh, to a steampunk fantasy heist book. So uh, if you haven't read... The Six of Crows, I encourage you to do so. Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's what it looks like to me. But before I jump into the interview, a couple things. One, I've got a recommendation. I'm going to try to align my recommendations to the content we're covering. So if you enjoyed the book, you can try this. And so um, it's not anything new. It's anything new, but it's something I watched recently. Uh, pulled it back out, dusted it off. Um, it is a, another heist movie. Another heist movie. This one is... Uh, it, it wasn't a uh, well-received movie. The movie is Push with Chris Evans. Um, and it is... I, I think it's very similar. Very similar to this. In fact, it may be a knockoff of this. I'm not sure. Um, uh, it doesn't get a lot of love. A lot of similarities. It's a movie about a ragtag group of individuals with psychic abilities... Those psychic abilities are kind of put in categories, kind of like how in Six of Crows they have categories of abilities there as well. Uh, and so they're put in these different categories, and this ragtag group has to put together a heist-like scenario, a heist, to steal uh, something to save one of their own who's dying from taking a drug that enhances their psychic abilities. Golly, this really sounds like the dang, the dang book we read. Uh, it, Like I said, I think it's, it's taken some inspiration. Uh, there's several other responsibilities, and it's definitely not a masterpiece of cinema, but it's fun if you let it be fun. So I would encourage you to check it out. That's Push. Uh, I think I watched it recently on HBO Max. You'll have to look and see where you can find it for you. Um, yeah, it's got uh, it's got some some good performances. It's definitely uh, a slow burner though, so uh, so just stick with it. Uh, I've enjoyed it, uh, and I hope you will as well. Uh, what would you recommend? Uh, your favorite heist movie? You can let me know uh, either by leaving a comment on our YouTube video or in a review, or you can email me nextgennerdpodcast at gmail dot com, and I'll share it on the next show. Uh, and uh, would love to be able to, to give you a shout-out for that. Speaking of shout-outs, a couple comments that we've had over the last couple weeks that I wanted to go ahead and share. If you leave a comment on our YouTube video, I will read it. As long as it is not terribly mean or vulgar, I will read it. Uh, my buddy, White Fox, uh, said on the episode on Primal, he says, great episode, keep it up, bro. I'm hoping to. And it really was a great episode. I mean, you got Hector Mire. It's uh, it's it's going to be a great episode. So uh, go back and check out the episode on Primal if you missed it already. 
Uh, for an episode before that, Birthright, uh, my buddy Matthew West 3646 says, Hey, great episode. I only read the first book so far. As an artist, I really enjoyed the art too and the flow of the page spreads. I really felt the story was compelling and the way they decided to lay out the storyline was very interesting and allowed for the twists and turns to be more impactful, making you feel like you have it figured out and then throw an element in the story that made you question it. He says he agrees with Todd about the marriage falling apart in the beginning. It is not a kid-friendly series. Uh, he also says, Todd, Mosaic fan art, great work. I now follow you on Instagram. You're amazing at what you do. That he is. That he is. Uh, if you get a chance to see uh, Todd Turner, Mosaic fan art, at a convention, bring some cash along with you. Okay, Buy one of his, he does these little 12 by 12 uh, mosaics. Buy one of those. Uh, or uh, he's got a bunch of stickers of stuff he's done in the past. Buy some of those. Uh, check it out. I mean, if you, if you get a chance to find out where he's going, uh, you can find his podcast on um Sis and Big Pop's culture, and they talk about where he's going to be. Check them out. Uh, last uh, last comment here is from Logan Burroughs, my brother, and he says, hey. That's what it says. <laughs> That's all it says. Hey! So, uh, glad to have you guys comment and take a look at those videos. And again, if you leave a comment there or leave a review, I will read it on the show and give you a shout-out. Appreciate you guys supporting the show. And with that, I think it's time to start the interview. Let's get nerdy. Well, guys, I am here with Steve Valdez of Save Point Ministries. Uh, had him on for X-Men and thoroughly enjoyed that. And so when I posted our latest batch of these are things that I want to talk about, uh, he said Six of Crows. And yeah. you were actually the only one that said it. Well, that's not true. There's one of the ladies that said, my daughter's a big fan of Six of Crows. But I didn't want to have like an 11-year-old that I don't right. know on the podcast <laughs> with me. So uh, I said, you know, this works out well. And so um, we're going to get into Six of Crows in a little bit. But first – Steve, man, how are things going? What's something exciting and or life-giving going on right now in your life? We would love to hear what's going on, man. Uh, things are going really well. It's summer, so my kids are home. And uh, as a guy who works from home most often, uh, it's nice that I spend a lot of time with them. Uh, as far as like cool things going on right now, uh, like on top of that, uh, with my kids being home, I have started introducing musicals to my kids. I love musicals. Same. I'm really into this type of stuff. So, uh, I just introduced, uh, Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis to my kids. And my, my oldest daughter, she's 12 at the end of Les Mis is like, <sighs> you know, like wiping tears from her eyes, you know, like that. I'm like, it's a good movie to cry to, man. It's, this is a good one for that. So, so, so are those like your two favorite or do you have other ones that, that top those? Uh, Les Mis is probably my favorite. Like a lot of times with me, it's whatever one I've most recently been listening to is my favorite. Okay. And Les Mis is second, but that's always constant. And so I I think now I'm just saying that Les Mis is my favorite because not only is it beautiful music, not only is it incredible story, but it's deeply like entrenched in the grace of Christ and showing that grace to others as well and how to extend that and ways to be too legalistic about it, you know, with Javert on the other side of things and him being very, very, you know, devout in his faith, but expressing it in a very, you know, wrong way. And so, yeah, just... Beautiful, beautiful story. But uh, on top of that, as a somebody who's full-blooded Mexican, I love In the Heights. Just, I mean, that movie, I felt seen <laughs> in that movie. And so I, I didn't know about the musical until I saw the movie. And I watched it, and I'm like, dang, this is amazing. I love this, man. And so that was good. And so I was introduced to the musical for that afterward. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen, as somebody who was a youth pastor mm-hmm. for 10 years and just being able to identify with teenagers, that, that one will always make me cry at the musical, man. Every single time, that one makes me cry. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but a ton. I could go on and on about music. Musicals, no, but, no, you're good. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've seen musicals plenty growing up, uh, and you know, 
enjoyed him. Anything with a good story, I'm in for. Uh, yeah. But I remember uh, at my wife, my wife and I, for our first anniversary, we went with her family to New York, and we we're going to go see a Broadway play. And we went to go see Shrek. And I was like, Shrek? Like, really? Like, that's <laughs> like, I remember thinking, like, there are all these other ones that I've actually heard of, you know? And so we went and saw it, and it was amazing. Like, it yeah. was, it was amazing. I thought, okay, if they can do Shrek this way, like, sky's the limit. Let's see. And so, uh, since then, we, Karen and I, we've seen several. Um, uh, and, they have a um, a spot about 45 minutes to an hour from us in Jacksonville that has uh, Broadway touring companies come through there all yeah. the time. And so we've gotten to see several there. We've seen uh, Les Mis there and Wicked. And, oh, Wicked's um, so good. <laughs> Wicked is good. We saw Hamilton there. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say, sadly, my least favorite of the ones we saw was School of Rock. And it was just because he was trying to be Jack Black and he couldn't be, you know? And so, like, that was only Jack that, Black is Jack Black. It was, it was hard. It was, that was, that was difficult. But there were several others that we really enjoyed. Uh, I would say Lay Miz is probably one of my favorites. Uh, Wicked as well. We've seen Wicked several times. Yeah. Um, uh, really good ones. Uh, I was going to joke and say that my favorite musical, though, is, is Lego Movie 2. That's my favorite musical, is Lego <laughs> Movie 2. Uh, but, but I said that joke, and now I have the um, the song when uh, the not-so-evil queen is trying to get them on their honors. I got that on my head. Haven't you yes. heard? Yeah, so uh, sorry. Um, that, that probably is my favorite musical. Probably is. So uh, besides musicals, besides Six of Crows, what other nerdy stuff are you into right now, ma'am? Uh, so, man... I love Magic the Gathering. I played Magic the Gathering for a long time, but uh, I wasn't like really into sort of the practices of uh, Wizards of the Coast and the way that they're doing, you know, too many reprints, whatnot. So I hadn't bought cards for nine years. I hadn't okay. bought a single pack of Magic the Gathering since Konzatark here nine years ago. And the new Lord of the Rings set just dropped. <laughs> and they got me, man. They got me good. And so I bought like, I, I I participated in the pre-release just for funsies and I'm looking at these cards and like the art is incredible. They've got like these full art cards that actually put together like a puzzle. And so you nice. get bigger pictures as you yeah. see them all yeah. together and, whatnot, and all these characters that I love and everything. And I'm just like, this is incredible. So I bought a few more packs and then I bought a booster box <laughs> And then I went through all of my, like, my magic bulk, went through all my bulk rares, and I found some cards that are worth, like, 50 bucks, $90, things like that. And I'm pulling all these cards that I'm not using in decks, and I end up having about $700 of trade value that nice. I'm trading in to buy more Lord of the Rings stuff right nice. now. So, like, I just, they got me hooked. And so that that's the the big nerdy thing that I'm into right now is uh, a lot of the Magic Gathering Lord of the Rings stuff, but also playing uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Mm. And... That game also has me hooked. I've, I'm <laughs> probably 80 hours into it, and I'm going to guess halfway done. So Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't have access to a Switch, so I haven't played. I have Ooh. in the past had access to one and played Breath of the Wild and thoroughly enjoyed it. So I I would enjoy it. My kids are, are scheming on how they can pull their money and get one, and then we'll see. <laughs> and then we'll see. Man, uh, you like Breath of the Wild. It's good. Uh, Breath of the Wild's an incredible game. Tears of the Kingdom almost feels like a breath of the wild dlc whereas okay it is breath of the wild but better in every way nice. it takes everything breath of the wild did and makes it better and so it's just that good more breath of the wild is one of the greatest games ever made and tears of the kingdom is better than that so it's okay just, yeah nice it's an outstanding game awesome i'm looking forward to checking it out well today we're talking about six of crows uh so for those of you that don't know what the six of crows is i meant to look up the author's name what's the author's name lee bardugo 
Lee, that's not a real name. That's a fake name. I'm I sorry. know, right? <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> Nobody's uh, really named Lee Bardugo. Yeah. But uh, no, good. when I when, when I've looked her up, it seems to be her real name. So there you go. Yeah. Okay, Lee Bardugo. Uh, it's a a book I didn't realize was set in a much larger universe. I knew that there was a duology, uh, a sequel to this book. Mm-hmm. But the Six of Crows follows a a team of six. Uh, I've when I've described this to others, I've said it's kind of like steampunk fantasy Ocean's Eleven. It's kind of what it feels yeah. like. It's a uh, it's a heist with magic uh and so this team is um uh brought together to go and find somebody who's making a drug that makes magic use unstable uh the drug is highly addictive and is targeting a specific ethnic group of people Uh, and so some have joined this team to try and protect that group of people some have joined this team in order to uh to profit to make money some are just drug along because they are needed in there um this is filled with the same twists and turns you would get in any other heist movie or book you would read thoroughly enjoyed it uh characters are very well fleshed out very well thought out the only problem problem is is because you're introduced to so many at once it is hard to differentiate who is doing what i uh, think about the first time you watch oceans 11 if you've watched oceans 11 more than once you know the characters a lot better but you get yeah. to the end of that first time and you're like all right there was the asian dude that did flips uh there was you know like <laughs> there was like, george clooney and brad yeah, pitt yeah it's really hard to go ahead and go who does what um but with uh, fantasy but, books it's like that especially because they give them fantasy names like kaz and inej and things like yes. that and so if their names were greg and larry It'd be a little bit easier because the familiar things that you can put familiar things to. But when they've got these fantasy names, you're, they, they, you know, the toss all over the place. And so, yeah, it, it gets a little Pekka and whatever else. Yeah. Pekka Rollins. Yep. Uh, Pekka which Rollins. is so funny because I listened to it. So going back through and, and reading these names going, oh, that's how they spell that. Okay, that's interesting. I uh, like. I kept hearing it's it's Pekka with an A Rollins, but I kept hearing with an E R. I'm like, I thought it was some bad nickname they gave him. Like that was. <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, you know, because you've got all these nicknames that are in here. Everyone in here has a nickname. Everyone in here right. has some weird, mysterious, whatever. Um, but no, it's a it's a it's a suspense heist, uh, fantasy, steampunk. It was sprinkled with romance. Yes. Uh, you know, everything's in there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, you informed me that it was in this universe and that the Shadow and Bone trilogy comes before this in the timeline. And right. there's a couple seasons on Netflix. And you said you were the bigger fan of the second season. You said it was amazing. Second season. Only no, all the, the way second around. Season. No, first I know, season on you. I'm first season. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll throw hands right now, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> so uh, so you said this crew is in that. Is they are in the first season as well? Yeah, yeah, and it's okay. almost like a prequel to the books because uh, the, it introduces the first season of Shadow and Bone introduces Nina and Matthias and uh, how they met. Like it's mm-hmm. it's their whole backstory, and then it also follows Inej, Kaz, and Jesper on an entirely original kind of caper. We'll okay. we'll say. And uh, it's well worth watching. Man, the first season of Shadow and Bone is so good, which is why the second season was such a disappointment. But that's how I won't get too man. deep into that. That's how it goes. Yeah. I was talking to uh, I was talking to Hector Mire this morning about Titans, and I said, "What were your thoughts on season four? And he just like grit his teeth, like I don't want to talk about season four. <laughs> I, don't talk I love the show. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I, I should have picked on him and told him it's just because Red Hood only has three scenes. Like that's the only reason why uh, why he didn't like it. But anyways, no, it was <laughs> other stuff. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it. Uh, Brother Blood's the villain. Are you a big fan of Brother Blood? I never even heard. Oh yeah, Brother I know Blood. Brother Blood real good. I don't know yeah. Brother Blood at all. And he, like, if he is like he is in the show, he is just a whiny, sniveling, 
I couldn't stand him. Couldn't stand him. The character was not well done. <laughs> but we're not talking Titans. We're talking Six of Crows. And so That's why right. did you love Six of Crows? You let a little bit of it out as we were talking about the synopsis. But why did you love this book? I love the mixing of genres that this does. You know, you'll get like true fa- high fantasy books. You'll get true heist books. And I've read books like this. But the way that this successfully and beautifully kind of weaves the low fantasy and heist genres together where you you have this fantasy world in which whenever you get magic like this, I mean, this isn't magic, obviously. They're called Grisha and they have special abilities. But whenever you get magic in a world, it's really easy for a writer to create MacGuffins that they can just solve every problem they want. Right. So when you're in a heist, you could just say, and they magic their way into the vault and grab all the money and magic their way out. And the end. This makes sure to, number one, only one of the six have uh, the Grisha abilities and she like doesn't use it to any massive extent at any point. It is very like gently weaved into the entire story. And in fact, getting around the Grisha is more of a concern more often. And so having these normies i guess these these non-grisha folk that are trying to complete this heist and so it makes it feel very much in a fantasy world you definitely feel like they are are fantasy and created like incredible abilities but also you feel the tension of a heist and it's so well done and these genres are so well wrapped together that uh, i i love that it was really really exciting for that Mm. yeah no i'm I'm with you i i do enjoy I do enjoy genre mixing. Uh, I mentioned this uh, the last couple episodes. Some of the comics that I've read lately that I've really enjoyed uh, did that. And so um, Justice League Death Metal was one where you have the Justice League characters, but it's set in this fantasy, futuristic fantasy world. And it's like, yes, I enjoy. I enjoy that. That's fun. And then um, uh, and another one was uh, Marvel Legacies. And it takes like the the prototypical uh the like the first doctor strange and the first ghost rider and they're set in like prehistoric past and it has them teaming up together as like the first avengers uh i enjoy those things i do enjoy that uh another thing i really liked about um this book was the i just i haven't read a, i haven't read a heist book i guess in a while if ever but there was still that same feeling of everything's falling apart but by the end of the book it's all part of the plan it's all that's part of the right. plan. Yeah. And so like that's the, it's like every A team episode, every yeah, all those things. Like it, it's all falling apart. What's gonna happen? And then you get to the end, you go, This is really good. And I really felt like the, the characters were really well fleshed out. Like now that I've gone mm-hmm. back through and 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 read some um uh you know, some reviews of the book and, and profiles of the characters, it's like, oh, I could see that. That was that was that character. And so uh really enjoyed those. You mentioned a little bit on the the Grisha's abilities. So that's another kind of set piece here is you have these Grisha abilities, uh, which are kind of certain classes have certain abilities, and um and then you have the Driscella, the the witch hunters, the 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 magic right. hunters that they are trying to well they say they're trying to eradicate the uh, the Grisha, yeah. but uh, you learn much later on that that's not what they're doing. Um, and so what are your thoughts there with that? I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit with in, in the X-Men episode. The, yeah, I, was, you know, I have exactly that written here. <laughs> there, there's there's you know, there's all these abilities and then there's people who are scared of them and but still want to exploit them because they'd still be useful. Uh, how did how did that bounce off you, ma'am? I once listened to a podcast about a guy saying why he liked the DC movies more than he liked the Marvel movies. And he said that it was because he felt the Marvel movies had a more realistic 
response of what how humans would respond to superheroes Mm. and it wasn't this oh you're a hero now we love you you're awesome it was fear and it was like this oh my gosh what's going to happen we need to find a way to fight this person we need to find a way to take him out if we need to and uh, i think that's honest i like the marvel movies better but uh i think that's an honest like and and understandable viewpoint because the X-Men explores that, like we talked about last time. And this explores exactly that, where we have these people with natural uh, super abilities. And therefore there was another group of people that just hates them for it. No Mm -hmm. reason why they just, there, there's so much fear that they hate them for it right off the bat. And so the Druskel are this, uh, you know, group of people that are bred to hunt Grisha and specifically trained on how to spot them to uh you know weed them out of hiding and to find them and capture them and you know you again like you said they say to kill them but no it's to capture them and to test on them and all kinds of other mm-hmm. stuff that that go on within the story here so it feels very honest and real again instead of people just being like whoa cool you have superpowers there's this natural fear to it and then on the flip side in the places where the Grisha are accepted they're seen as tools very often. Like how can we use your abilities? Again, there's no superheroes in this story. Not a single person is out there saving lives with this. People are sailors because they're tidebreakers and people are, uh, or, or they're the, uh, squalors so they help with the sales you know whatever right, else right and or, or people are uh, doctors because they're heart renders and they know you know they're medics they know how to do this stuff and so it just they make it feel very natural mm-hmm. it, it feels like what would actually happen is if if these abilities existed in a real world yeah it's like a a, a heightened skill you know that that you're yeah. if you're really good with this then we'll, we'll put you in here and you can do this rather than it being their persona you know what I mean? Like, because yeah, they actually explore people who have the ability but are bad at it, right? You know, right. just like, yeah, I can do this. I'm just not very good. Like, it's kind of not my natural talent. So, yeah, right. absolutely. Yep. Um. Uh, another one of the themes was the the power and danger of vengeance. Uh, that 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 mm. vengeance drove Kaz to do so many things and to be great that it did. Uh, but there's also a a danger there. There, there's a danger there in in vengeance. We know that, you know that. Absolutely. That, uh, even even just bitterness, not even an active vengeance, but even bitterness is is drinking poison and expecting the other person to suffer from it. You know that that. Yeah. And so, as to Christians and as to pastors, we know that there is definitely a story of of redemption uh, aside from this vengeance and putting those things aside. Um, but you know, how do you or can you tell a story of redemption with this at the core? Looking at Kaz Brecker, uh, his his dealings with one of the main characters who at who when he was a young child, uh, snookered him, uh, and eventually caused the death of his brother because brother. of his efforts. And so, how how do you tell a redemptive story there? So the tough part in this is uh, number one. I guess we're going to spoilers. Yeah, we'll spoil things. Listen, this book came out years and years and years ago. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> if you're, if, if chances are, if you're listening to this and you haven't read the book, you're my mom, and you'll probably go back and read the book. So uh, you're you're fine. You're good to go. Otherwise, you're going. I don't know. I, listen, there's a, there's another podcast I listen to, and uh, it's Wizard and the Bruiser. It is not family friendly. Um, love that show, but they'll have a topic, and I'll go. I don't know nothing about that. Marcus played, and I will just skip over it. But if it's a one that I'm familiar with, I'll go. I'll listen to it. So yeah, spoilers, plenty of spoilers here. Cool. Uh, it is a heist uh, book. So, but 
but yeah, yeah, within this book, Kaz is not a redempted, redeemed character by right. any means. Like, and neither is Pekka Rollins, the guy who uh, who snookers him to use your term. That's a good one. And in both of these things, it is just a straight up story of vengeance. And the tough part with telling a story like that with redemptive, uh, with the redemptive thing is good stories of vengeance make the reader feel satisfied at the success of revenge. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what. And then when I say good, I mean satisfying, satisfying stories of vengeance and with you being like, yeah, he got him. Yes, that's perfect. (laughs) You know what I mean? But the challenge in this is if you're going to redeem somebody, how do you also satisfy that? Yes. And I I thought of like a couple of examples of this. And number one is Ted Lasso to minor spoilers for Ted Lasso. The very beginning, there's a divorce and the the woman rebecca really wants to revenge on her husband and by the third uh by the third season there's still stuff going on and she's still kind of upset and like she, her team is playing his team and she finally just says wait i don't care anymore hold on like i didn't think about this but i just don't care anymore like mm-hmm. it's i want to win cuz i love our team and i love what we do and i just don't whatever to him i don't care anymore mm-hmm. and that because they built three seasons of of that tension that was very satisfying but without mm. that much storytelling yeah. yeah it's so hard to make that a satisfying moment the other example i thought of we talked about earlier is les mis mm. in les mis there's jean valjean and javert and these guys you know javert is hunting jean valjean the whole time and at the moment that revenge could have happened javert or sorry jean valjean sets javert free and the way that they satisfy this and it, it, this has kind of become a trope in the, the years is the good guy sets the bad guy free and the bad guy doesn't know how to deal with that and so he ends up committing suicide mm. and it's tough to write that moment that you feel satisfaction when the revenge isn't actually successful mm. but i think it's more important i honestly think it's a better story to to say that the person you know, you you use the perfect phrase, revenge is drinking poison and expecting somebody else to suffer. Mm-hmm. Of somebody looking at that glass of poison and putting it down and being like, I don't need it. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that's to me at least, that's so much more satisfying and a better uh a better life philosophy. Yeah, I think another another component we see in stories is the devaluing of the revenge, the vengeance based on the increased value of something else, you know? And so mm. I think about, I think mm. about how Kaz feels about Inej and how that kind of builds up and that becomes more important than, than the rest, you know, that right. when, when you have nothing else, when you have nothing else, then, then that vengeance takes center stage because that's what we're going to focus on. Um, and, and I can appreciate I can appreciate that dissipation. We see this more in, in the relationship of of Nina and Matthias. You know, right. that there's there is this there is this tension, there is this whatever. But as you know, as they begin to see, see each other for who they really are, and as there's something else that's more valuable than vengeance, then it takes a backseat. Um, I didn't even think about Nina and Matthias. That's a really great example because I think that one isn't about forgiveness. It's about understanding right. and understanding to the point that there is no need for forgiveness. You just understand. Right. I no longer blame you for what you did. I understand what you have done. Nina understands that Matthias was was brainwashed and, you know, just fed all this uh, propaganda. And that's why who he was. 
but she was also able to win him over. And now she understands him. He understands her. And there was no need for forgiveness from either of them anymore because they just understand each other. And yeah, that that's a beautiful story mm. of redemption and vengeance. Absolutely. Yep. Um, of course, because I came up with it. I'm a smart guy. That's who I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Good so, point. <laughs> uh, but funny enough, like I when we when I do book episodes, I, I try to look for, you know, good a- analysis of these books. Uh and this is the first one that they've had spark notes on. So like there were people have read it and thought about it and put down themes and motifs. So if you're like, wow, he like hit all the themes, it's just because I found really good spark notes. Really good spark notes. Uh, <laughs> I did have to go back and read a couple of synopses to be like, okay, let's fill in some gaps. I read it, these books it. years ago. Let's that's yeah. It. So, <laughs> so uh so another one of those themes uh that was that I found in these spark notes uh were that Kaz wears these gloves the whole time and, and they have all you know, they talk about. They ask him, "Why do you wear the gloves?" And he says, "You've heard a thousand reasons why. Just pick one of them. Like, just pick one of them and go for that." Yeah. Um, but really, when when the gloves come off, there's nothing wrong with his hands. You know, they're not horribly scarred or anything like that. Uh, and so they were saying that this is really more to conceal the emotional trauma from his childhood. You know, that it was it was the security blanket. It was being able to hold on to this. Um, and so. For him, seeing this, seeing how he behaves, uh, and then you and I, you being youth pastor for a long time, me being youth pastor for a long time, we see this this hiding of trauma in other things, uh, and that's really what enables us to, to ministers when the Lord reveals, like, this is really what's going on. Like, this yeah. is really what's happening here. Um you know, uh, the the phrase that I hear a lot is hurt people hurt people, you know, that when mm-hmm. you have bullies in school, like, OK, well, why exactly? Why is it that they are that way? Is there something that's happened at home? Is there something in, you know, whatever that is? Um, so how do you see that this played out in people that you minister to on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? So there's the more direct ones. And you already kind of talked about them. These are the bullies, Mm -hmm. the people that hurt people because they have been hurt themselves. And it's this psychological justification of it happened to me because it happens to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so if I can make this happen to everybody, then what happened to me makes sense. What Mm -hmm. happened to me is okay. It's not a wild out of, you know, crazy thing that has caused me trauma. It's just life. And so I got to make this life for everybody too. And it's a terrible thing. I mean, I was my daughter was telling me about a kid in her school who was a bully and acted out all the time, ended up getting expelled. And she was like, man, it was so dumb. I don't know why he acted like that. You know, what, what a doofus and all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, that's tough. Like, and I finally asked her, what would it take for you to act like he did? Mm. And she said, I wouldn't, I would never, ever do that though. <laughs> These things are ridiculous. And I'm like, exactly. So what like crazy things would have to happen for you to act like that? And she's like, I don't know. I, I would have to think that everybody hates me. I guess I would think that I, and like, she lists these, all these things that right. her point, the point she was trying to make was the only way I would do that is if everything went wrong, I would never, ever do that unless everything went wrong. And so I finally asked her all that stuff. I finally told her all that stuff probably happened to him. Like right. that's probably what he, what he went through. So like you see this mask with bullies because that's what they go out and do. But at the same time, one that, you know, save point ministries and our whole goal, the internet is that a lot mm. people just retreat to the internet to find a place where they feel safe, where they can block people that they don't want to hear and, you know, be in the places that they want to be and never have to worry about anything else. Mm. And, you know, talk about the gloves and in the book, I don't know if this is a spoiler, the second story, I, the second book, I don't think it is. Kaz wears the gloves because 
he ended up on a barge of dead people and he could feel their flesh surrounding mm. him mm. and he just doesn't like to feel flesh anymore he doesn't want to touch another human being ever again mm. and so he wears these gloves to never touch another human being ever again and i feel like the internet is like that where you never have to actually interact with another human being ever again mm. you can have these very you know uh filtered uh a screen in between you or text in between you conversation that at any point if you are too uncomfortable or if it's not exactly what you want Get up and walk away. Mm. Put your phone back in your pocket. Go to a different website. Open a different app. Whatever you need to do. And the internet can easily become like those gloves mm. to help filter human interaction. Mm. No, it's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, I think it's 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 much more common than than we would say it is. This idea of hiding emotional trauma uh, mm-hmm. to the uninitiated. You know, to those that are not well-versed here. Um, I think one of the great things that's come out of the last 20 years is it's more and more normal to bring those things up and go, let's talk about it. You know, that, that's, that's, we don't, we don't need to hide behind that. We don't need to act like right. that's not there. In fact, that's not healthy. Let's talk about those things. Um, I forgot who I was talking to recently, but I was talking about going through therapy when my parents divorced, you know, and it was like, I said, I don't know if that was a, you know, useful or whatever. And they're like, it's very useful. That's it's serious yeah. trauma. You know, it's, it's like, I mean, that makes sense. It makes yes. sense. Looking at it now and I go, I'm very comfortable talking about how I feel. I'm very comfortable talking about, you know, my struggles or whatever else. And so, um, uh, that's a, that's a good point that that really is the internet, that it becomes a, um, could be a, a in good ways, a safe place, but also can, we know yeah. can be a negative safe place where I can say what I want and no one can tell me otherwise. Um, and, uh, Neither of those really solves the problem. Neither of those solves right. the problem. There's still it has to be has to be dealt with. I mean, the internet's great. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I love, love the, the internet. internet. I love yeah. all things we can do. I mean, we're talking right now via the internet, yeah. right? Yeah. I yeah. love this ability. You're far away. I'm in Oregon. I don't remember what state you you live Florida. in. Florida, Florida. Yeah, literally other sides yeah. of the nations, opposite <laughs> ends of the nation. So the internet's spectacular. It really is, but it can also be used in very unhealthy ways. Yeah. Yep. So uh, we've talked a lot about what we do like. Is there anything that you would have changed about the story or anything you didn't like about the the story or the series that you'd say, I really want to see this differently? Two things drove me nuts and still drive me nuts today. And my wife read them too, and they drive her nuts. Number one, and the biggest one is the fact that they're all like 16 to 18 years old. Right. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're not. Just like they, they literally the only reason they do that is so it identifies more to young adults and to teenagers, but in every way that they act in everything that they do, no, they're, they're mid twenties, you know what I yeah. mean? And they're, they're young people for sure, but they're not 16 years old. So it's just, it was frustrating to me that like, <laughs> and then like, you know, with his 17 year olds and I'm like, no, no, I know 17 year olds. That's not a 17 year old. Like, <laughs> I mean, even 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 with trauma, even with living on the streets, everything else, it, it, the timeline doesn't match up to where at the time that we're talking about. So Ka- if Kaz is 17, 18 years old and again, spoilers, right. and he's already lost his parents, he's already worked for Pekka Rollins, he's already developed a relationship there and bought into this scheme and it's failed and they've fallen on hard times and his brothers died and he's joined up with another crew and he's risen to the top of that crew and he's 17 years old did it start right. when he was four like you know, it <laughs> yeah. like, like the, 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 the 
time span there, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I read that, I was like, I, and two, it doesn't help that I listened to it, and none of the voice actors were 17, 18. The oh, voice obviously. actors were all their 20s and 30s. Uh, it right. was a full voice cast, and none of them were children. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, who knows? Who knows? Um, artist choice, author's choice, I guess. But, right. Uh, I, I promise it, you that was an editor's choice. I promise you Lee Bardugo wrote this with 20-year-olds in mind and an, uh, an editor, you know, the publishing house, whatever, came back like, can we just say they're 17? Because it really identifies more with that age group when you say We'll that. add an extra two figures on the end of the contract. How's that sound? Yes. Yeah, sounds exactly. Good. 17, 18. <laughs> yeah, time, the timeline doesn't match up. The uh, the maturity of emotions, even dealing with those emotions, doesn't line up with a 17-year-old. Right. You, know? um, you know, possibly when you get uh some characters that are less proficient in their abilities you could you could say well they're only 17 but they're all 17 and some proficient so yeah i am with you on that one that's that sound that seems problematic and i don't think it would uh i think it would enhance the story if there were if they were a span of ages too you know if you've got absolutely if you got kaz and inej and they're in their 30s you know and it's also really icky because there's all the all the uh uh the brothel stuff and if these are kids yes. that are 17 and they've been there for years like exactly they're 17 now icky. and they have years of experience <laughs> there <laughs> it's gross. real gross man it's gross. i mean it's still gross if they're in their 20s or 30s however it's um the slightest of shades less gross but uh i think you know if you have if you have Kaz who's, you know, in his thirties and you have Inej who's in her twenties and you have some of the crew that are actually really young, but you have, and, and so I think that plays to some dynamic that you can use in a story, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That had to be an editor's choice. Cause that it don't make sense to me. Didn't make sense like, to I, me at all. I love the idea that uh, Matthias is 19 and uh, Nina is 17 or, you know, like, cause then they have this teenage romance, this fling yep. that they yep. had, but also they have all these indoctrination that they've gone through in very recent years. Like, that makes sense to me but yeah with a lot of the others that it was tough for me to, to get through but i will say that for those of you to read it it was honestly as easy for me just replacing numbers whenever i read the number 17 i just put 25 in there in my brain and it, it was as easy as that if you listen to a 2x you don't even notice the ages you don't even notice the ages yeah. it doesn't even pop up and so yeah that was that was Again, I was reading summaries and analyses on it. I'm going, I don't remember that at all. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah. <laughs> Whatever. She said the there's two. Thing, yeah. yeah. The other thing is, and this is one that uh, is po still popping up a lot today. It's pretty common, but it's a trope in, in writing that drives me nuts. And it's the one person has a toxic relationship with somebody, but they still love them. And it's the, I want to fix them. So for specifically it's the Inej and Kaz relationship mm. that Inej loves Kaz and she wants to help him and wants to fix him. And like every time, like maybe he's about to, re to reach out, but let's be honest, he's awful. He's an awful human being. He does a lot of terrible things. We love him because he's our awful human being as we're reading. And he's, you know, 10 steps ahead of other people. And we, like, it's satisfying to read those things but he treats her horrifically mm. like, and he constantly is breaking her heart and constantly being cruel to her. And when we read things like this and glorify this type of relationship, then especially when the goal age is 16 and 17 year olds, then 16, 17 year olds someday meet a jerk who is terrible to them. And they think in their brain, I can fix this person the way that Inej, Inej wants to fix Kaz. And it's all throughout these, like, people I hear a lot uh, say with Harry Potter, like, they wanted to ship Harry Potter and Draco. And I'm like, that's a, that's a, 
toxic relationship. They're terrible to each other. They yeah. should not, you know, like in just in so many different ways, there's so many different uh, relationships where there's the bully, the, the cruel person mm-hmm. and the good person and people want them to have a relationship. And I hate this because it just encourages toxic relationships, encourages people being satisfied with being treated terribly. That, that idea that if this person is teasing me and is terrible to me, that means that they like me. That means that they have a crush on me. It's like, it doesn't matter. Don't be, get, don't be satisfied with being treated that way. <laughs> don't allow yourself fact. to be treated like that. That can be a fact and it's still a terrible relationship. Like those are yes. not mutually exclusive. Yes. Like, yes, yes, they can't be teasing you because they like you. It doesn't mean they get your attention. Doesn't yes. mean you get your attention. Um, I don't know if you've seen these, but several, uh, you know, several reels have been going around where it's his dad and his daughter. And it's like, I'm having tea parties with my daughter. So your dusty son has to step up his game. Like it's like all these things, like yeah. <laughs> I'm treating my daughter, right? So your son can't just get away with mediocre. Like that's not going to happen. Absolutely. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. Sounds yes. Good. Sounds good. I would love, love my daughters someday to meet a guy who is like kind of a jerk to her, but also kind of flirts with her sometimes. And then one day asks her out and they're like, no, no. <laughs> you're terrible to me. Why you're on earth? Loser. No, yeah. yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> I was raised to know that I should desire somebody who is going to be in a healthy relationship, mm-hmm. healthy, encouraging relationship with me. You know, I guess all three of my kids, you know, in this case, I say my daughter because it's Inej and Kaz, but all three of my kids. Absolutely. Yes. So it's a trope. Again, let me be clear. It's a trope all throughout fiction. This happens oh, it is. all it is. the time, but it, it drives me and- nuts. And I'm and I may have missed some of that, like I, you know, because you said that I'm going. I don't know that I necessarily noticed that, but I learned this. I did a, an episode with Hillary Fisco and Charlie. Um, we were talking about uh, Castle in the Sky, and she was like talking about something else. Like I didn't pick up on that at all, and it could just be that. That's just- <laughs> <laughs> well, and let me be clear. There's another book, yeah, and there's a third book that they kind of like feature in mm-hmm. so these characters their story goes on a lot lot could, more could be this, could so. be because in this i'm going i'm yeah. going like i know like i don't know maybe he was just uh, whatever but uh that's 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 funny that's funny um so uh things that i uh things that i didn't like uh, about this book um like i said you know it, again i don't know how many of these characters are introduced in the shadow and bone and so that would be uh but having so many characters introduced at once, it was hard keeping track of who was what, who was what. And especially when you have scenes where these two are here and these two are here and these two are here. And they're all, that was uh, mm. a little, little challenging to follow. Um, and none of the characters are introduced in the Shadow and Bone book. It's okay. oh, they're they're in the Shadow and Bone TV show on Netflix. Oh, okay. All it was right. on Netflix, but the Shadow and Bone book is basically just an entirely separate story okay. that exists in the same world. So yeah, I gotcha. no, I agree. That was uh that was that was a challenge uh and I didn't pick up on this and maybe this is in a, in a subsequent book uh but I guess there was supposedly some relationship between Jesper and Wylan um right. and so I'm going and, and my my biggest beef with stories today is if you can't have good friendships like that's the I, I hate yes. that you can't just have good friendships just have a good friendship they're good friends why does it have to be and 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 honestly same thing for Kaz and 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 Inej, same thing with Nina and Matthias. Like, why can't we have just good friendships? Why do we have to pair up these six people and let's go ahead and make sure that they all have their romantic connection? Right. That does feel like a 17, 18, 19 year old. That does feel right <laughs> around there. Uh, we got to pair everybody up. Um, but otherwise, I mean, overall, I really enjoy the story. I enjoy the book. Uh, I will. Uh, They're great. They really are. I will have to listen to the next one. Yeah. So you get us a little bit uh, of a, a hint to a couple of things. We don't need to necessarily jump into what's coming in the series. Let's move on to uh, what has kept me up at night fantasy casting this uh, series. And I, I had to talk to. So, uh, 
Todd Turner and I were talking about birthright and we were casting these and these it was so hard with the ages. And so I've just decided from now on when I fantasy cast stuff, I'm picking the actor and then we can we can use CGI to change the ages if need be. Yeah, uh, I, whatever I, we need to do. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to let you uh, share uh, the ones that you may have picked out and then I will share mine and we'll kind of go through there. There is on this list, I've got at least one name for all of them except for one. So, um, uh, Oh man, I don't know that I have a name for all of them here. Let's see here. This is one that I, I unfortunately did not go through one by one and do this all, but, uh, I do want to say that Kaz Brecker, I think would be a good, like young Val Kilmer, okay. just okay. stern face, kind of calm, constant voice. And that's, you know, that look in his eyes that he's always plotting something like something that young Val Kilmer had really, really well, especially like if you look at Top Gun or yeah. even uh, the the Saints, you know, some of these old 90s movies yeah. and whatnot, Top Guns before that. But just that look that he's not a good person or a nice person, but he's also not the bad guy, you know, capital mm. TBG, the bad guy. Yeah. And Cas Brecker definitely balances that line of he's not a good person. We, nobody expects him to be a good person, but he's also not the bad guy. Mm. And there are worse people out there that we need to be concerned about. And Val Kilmer, I think communicates that really well. Mm. He does a really good job of like, even when he's mad Martigan, the over the top, crazy one, <laughs> he's still not a good guy but he's not the bad guy. So he right. he plays that character really well. I feel like the young Val Kilmer. I got you. Um, yeah. So uh, if that's your first choice that I am much closer to their ages, likely. So, uh, so for mine, for Kaz, I put Dacker Montgomery, uh, who is uh, on stranger things. He's the curly headed guy that um, gets uh, taken over by uh, the. Mind oh, Vector. Yeah. 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 Um. So he's, Oh, he's man, also I can't the Red Billy. Ranger. Yes, yes, Billy. He's also the Red Ranger on the Power Rangers reboot. Um, but again, uh, some of the same things. Um, he can definitely. He's a likable. That's a bad great guy. pick. He's a likable bad That's guy. That's a great pick. Yeah, uh, and um, uh, you know, an, an attractive guy, but also very dark. So uh, I thought that was uh, how I kind of felt Kaz. I don't say at first I thought Leonardo DiCaprio. I thought that would be another another good one as leading a crew, but I thought yeah. that was two on the nose. So I was like, let's go, let's go somebody else. Uh, so that was my pick for. No, Kaz. I like yours better than mine. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at pictures of him right now, like because I only know him from Stranger Things, and so I'm looking at other pictures of him right now, and he's got like I see some pictures with like kind of like my facial hair, where it's just kind of mm -hmm. trim mustache. Yeah, and I'm like, no, nah, dang, he looks like cunning. Yes. Yeah, that's good. It was real good. So, okay, good so, pick. Good pick. Thanks, thanks. Uh, do you want me to go first on Inej? Yeah, yeah, your turn. Go for so, it. So, uh, Inej, uh, I have Connor Leslie who played um, uh, the Wonder Woman in Titans. So, Wonder Girl, or whatever. Um, uh, Diana, is it Diana Prince? Diana Prince is Wonder Woman. I'm trying to remember who the the sidekick. Oh, no, um, she's. Um, Donna Troy. Yes, yes, Donna Troy. Uh, and so uh, again, looking oh, yeah, for somebody who could hold their own. Um, and uh, you know, rough and tumble. And I thought that was a uh, that was that was who I came up with as I was driving around today, going, I need to come up with this list before this episode today. So, uh, so yeah, that was mine. Who was yours? No, that's that's great uh, for me. Naomi Scott. Naomi okay, Scott yeah. is, uh, yeah, from uh, the Aladdin movie, I think is probably what she's best known for. I think she was also in Charlie's Angels. But uh, she is beautiful, but also, like, definitely athletic and uh, uh, svelte, I guess is a good word yeah. to describe Inej with. And so I think she could definitely balance that 
I, I am, uh, you know, strong and athletic woman, but somebody who also would have been a very popular, you know, within a brothel or whatever else. So it definitely you know, meets both of those standards there. Yeah. Look at these pictures again. I like your pick more than I like my pick. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's, that's that. All right. Um, uh, Nina, who do you have for Nina? Um, oh, what I already space on her name, uh, white widow. Um, uh, yep. Yep. Uh, dang, I I literally had her name in my brain just a second ago. Uh, 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 she, <laughs> I can't believe I'm I'm facing, uh, Black Widow, uh, Florence Yelena. Pugh. I don't know her real yeah. name, but Florence Pugh. Yes, that's it. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's Florence Pugh is, in my opinion, perfect for this. So within the books, they often describe Nina as, uh, you know, a little rotund, a little overweight. That's not Florence Pugh, but also Florence Pugh is not. Naomi Scott, super thin, svelte, mm. you know what I mean? Like she is beautiful, but also normal human looking type, you know? And so she's perfect on that. But then also as a uh, white widow, as Yelena, she brings the snark wonderfully. Like she mm. is delivers snark so, so well. She's uh, got that absolute look on her face that she's lovingly teasing you all the time. And I mean, Nina Zenik to a T for me that I think that, that, that she would just crush that role. Mm, mm. So uh, yes. And looking at some of the other descriptions, I, I kind of felt that she was more of a, uh, some of the character pictures she had as a redhead, like kind of a chubbier redhead or whatever. Yeah. Or, uh, but uh, I went in a different direction. Uh, Rubenesque. Fun, that's what uh, I was looking for. Rubenesque. That's a good word. Yeah. Do you need me, hon? Ah, okay. So, uh, I have two. I have two here. Uh, okay. I have the one that I originally wanted, but I wasn't sure was really going to fit because of the uh, being in a brothel, uh, more Rubenesque, uh, and it's um, it's Iman Vellani who played Miss Marvel on the uh, Disney Plus show. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I don't know why I saw her as in that part. I just I felt that was more in that part there. Um, Definitely a playful like yes. mindset there too. Yes. Again, very yes. Nina. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think my, that's a good pick. My second pick was uh, Taylor Russell, who plays the oldest on the Lost in Space reboot on Netflix. The um uh the the black adopted daughter. That's that's there. Uh, the scientist um from that. So she's also in Escape Room and a couple other things. Older than some of this other crew was. Right. Um, but was another one who I felt like could. Hold her own, hold her own in uh in 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 that arena. So those are the I don't two. Know her. So yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at her uh her movies right now. I got by IMDb pulled up, so I don't Same. I haven't seen you anything have... here that she's in. So yeah, you have not seen know. Lost in Space yet? Not the new one, no. Dude, cancel your weekend plans, man. Cancel your weekend plans. <laughs> What's Lost it on? In space. Uh, it's on Netflix. Okay. Or at I least it was that. last I checked. Um, yeah, I'll say right this on, right too. Uh, it uh, has very little language and very little other things that Netflix is known for throwing in their series. I oh, watched good. it with my kids. The first several episodes with my kids. So, Oh, heck um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I love that. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Um, all right. So uh, let's see. You went first on Annette, uh, Nina. Uh, so right. I'll go first on Matthias. Uh, I'm going Aiden Gallagher, who plays five on the Umbrella Academy. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so again, I was trying to find somebody who, and again, if you look at him now, like I only think of him as this really gangly guy in a suit, but you look at yeah. him uh, today <laughs> and he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's just got a chip on his shoulder. And so um, I, I've, not, uh, I've not seen him in anything but the umbrella Academy. So I'm, I'm trying to look for more recent pictures of him right now. So uh, yeah. So I felt like he was, uh, passed for a young soldier uh younger guy naive uh you know believe what they would say but also has a little bit of that fury in him to be able to, to turn that yeah. switch and go in a different direction um so uh yes and he's actually looks closer to the age that is in the book i guess but um but again i felt like he was that was one of the few characters i could see being a younger character just that yeah that absolutely. whatever else um so yeah so that was uh that was my pick for matthew matthias I want the obvious route and I want young Chris Hemsworth, okay. just somebody who is the blonde haired, blue eyed looks yeah. like because the, the, you know, Druskel, it's all supposed to be very, uh, uh, the beards. no, no, beards until, yeah, no, uh, beard. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's all very Netherlands style. And so like the blonde haired, blue eyed, just beefcake. And, uh, th- that was Matthias to me always. And so just seeing that in the role of the Druskel, I think would be a, a good pick for me, but man, I, again, I hadn't seen Aiden Gallagher in anything else, or especially not as a, a young man now. And no, no, no. Like, I've only saw, I, like that was my, in my mind, his attitude, his character character i was like i i appreciate that and then i was like i wonder what he looks like now and they dress him in such a way to make him look skinny and gangly and right like they dress him in that in in that in such a way but um he's he's not that way i mean it's been five years since they filmed the first season so i mean it's he's he's obviously gotten be a little more of a grown-up but yeah absolutely um, yeah yeah yeah. so that was uh so i I like your pick too i do like your pick pick. a young young chris (laughs) hemsworth that's that's fun that's fun all right so who do you got for jesper this was this one was hard for me. This one was a challenge for me. Um, I had uh, Justice Smith. Okay, so Justice Smith is uh, from uh, uh, Detective Pikachu and also currently in uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, yep. And Justice Smith is he perfectly plays the guy who is capable but also not very sure of himself Mm. that he has abilities and he can be charming and he can be all this stuff but underneath that is this deep deep insecurity i don't know uh justice smith so i don't know if that's him but he plays that character really well in everything that he's been in and that's again that's jesper to a t for me where he is kind of like this puts on this guise of confidence he's very capable very suave but deep down inside he's just not confident but it's a handsome guy yeah. uh definitely able to go out there and do cool things but just not confident and so yeah i think justice <laughs> smith plays that part for me so 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 i think that he was on my short list when i was driving around today and i was like yeah i don't know if i can i don't know if i can pick that because he was in a movie recently when i, I want to pick somebody who's not been something recently but i didn't do that well with all these uh because this my pick for Jesper has been in a TV series in the last year uh, and has been on several movies. Uh, that's Tony Revolori, uh, who is on all the new Spider-Man movies uh, as the, the, the jerk Eddie Brock. Uh, and he's oh, on the Willow yeah! series as the, um, uh, the prince who comes to marry, uh, who comes to, to find. Um, oh uh, uh, um, uh, Lord Annan. Yes. Yes. So, um, so yeah, again, same things you're saying. You know, uh, can uh, it's competent but not confident. You know, able, yeah. able to no, do you, exactly and, that. Yes. yes. Yep. 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 No, that's so, a great pick as well. And for the same reason, I think these, both of these guys play that character really, really well. So <laughs> no, really good pick. I like that. That's a good one. 
All right, so to round out the six uh, with the the final member of the Six of Crows, Wyland Van Eck, I went for a much younger character, uh, David Mazouz, who plays Bruce Wayne on Gotham. Uh, oh, yeah, although he's uh, a young man now, but yeah. Yes, yes. So uh, I, I picked, again, thinking him, small, drug along, uh, you know, rich dad. Uh, I thought he, he he's played that character before, and this is just uh, a less confident version of uh, yeah of, of young Bruce Wayne. Um, so yeah, so that was no. That's good. I like that one. That's that's, that's my Wyland Van Eck. Again, for my castings are all in a time machine where I can go back and <laughs> get course. different people from different areas. Fair but uh, Wyland for me was young Billy Boyd. Uh, he plays okay. Pippin in Lord of the Rings. Yep, and because he definitely can portray this like kind of dragged along what am I even doing here? Uh, a little bedraggled, you know, and then, but he gets his couple of moments of wait, but I can do this, mm. this thing right here. I can do this. So I just think that he's definitely a, a great character for just being the kind of, kind of this confused side guy who's being dra- dragged along for whatever's going on and looks, you know, kind of uh, out of place. I think <laughs> he'd be great place. for that. Okay. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you cast his dad, Jan Van Eck? No, I did not. I again, this is another Willow pick, but he's been in several things. Ralph Innocent, uh, it really just feels like a, a British gangster. It's really what he, uh, it's I N E S O N. Um, British gangster, the idea of letting his son go and really not really caring kind of fit this guy's bill. He's also a ravager on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's been in a couple other things. Small oh, parts. yeah. Oh, no, that's a good choice. And is he? No. Okay. I looked at him and I'm like, wait, is he Pekka Rollins in the TV show? He no, might that be, would be good, but that would he's be good. not, he's not. No, no. I, okay. I did, so. <laughs> I did wonder when you told me that, I was like, I wonder if any of these ones that I've thought of are this character and, um, uh, they were not, they were not. So, so no, I did not do Jan Van Dyke. I do have Pekka Rollins though. Okay. Let me hear you. Pekka Rollins. Tom Hardy. Okay. All right. Yeah. So okay. a British gangster, but, and current Tom Hardy where he's in his more senior years, yeah. he was, he was a strong thug now he's the confident man in charge and just again that uh, um cockney british strong guy i think tom hardy would portray that really well okay so i went with looking at the con man the likable con man uh front and this is somebody who i've not seen play the villain but who i think would do Ooh. a good job of it and that's hugh jackman Hugh Jackman. I, he Becker was Rollins. he was on my short list. He, it was like, oh, Tom Hardy, Hugh Jackman. What I got yeah. here? I'm going Tom Hardy. So yeah. yeah no, no, no. I just I just thought I could see him just being really winsome to these two boys who are wanting to take their their inheritance and 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 play it big and then just turn on them and go. Well, I'm going to go in a different direction. Going to go in a different direction. I, I really liked him because you could also see him being incredibly charming. He mm. could be the devious con artist, but also incredibly charming. He he could play either role really well. So that's why, again, I, I almost went uh, with <laughs> Hugh Jackman. 100%, so I don't, yes. uh, I don't have either of the Yule by yours. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think of either of them. Did you have somebody for either of those? Uh, yes. Uh, it's somebody who's not well known. I need to look up their name right now. Anyway, uh, American. Um, his name is, he's the star of the new uh, Disney plus TV show, uh american born chinese okay uh, ben wang ben wang is his name and he is in that show again I, this is all i know him from but in this yeah. show he plays a intelligent teenager that is struggling with a lot of what is going on in the world around him and a lot of it is way beyond him and again that's very much uh uh 
Dan, well, I don't blink on both names. Uh, Bo, Yo- Bo, Yo- Bo Yo- is uh, very much that with t- having to take over his father's, you know, place and whatnot. So just, uh, I think number one, I think that uh, he's Shu. And so I try to keep it within the, you know, Shu is Chinese inspired, but mm-hmm. at the same time, who's somebody who is young and would portray this role yeah. well. And yeah. I've been watching, I don't know if you've seen American born Chinese, super fun, really it's good on my show. List. I haven't watched it yet, but it is, it is on my list. Yeah. Um, it's a good show. Uh, cool. Uh, last one on our list, Tata Helene, uh, the, the owner of the brothel. Uh, right. Uh, I have two for this one. I have the one who I think could pull off the. Um, I, I, I'll get into it. So I've got two. The the first one is uh, Marion Cotillard, who was on Inception. Uh, she was Lila Capri's wife. Again, she's also Al Ghul, Talia Al Ghul. Yeah, so that was one. And the other was Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks also. I would like to see her as this, again. I don't think Elizabeth Banks could pull off the dark as well as Cotillard could. Right. Um, however, uh, I think that they are two sides of the same coin of the character. I think this character right. is a very interesting character. It would be, uh, yes. The the I don't think uh, Cotillard is as winsome as Banks is either. Right. And to be able to, to carry that in. But those are two that I thought. Did you have somebody in mind for that final character? Nicole Kidman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicole Kidman just balances that line really well yeah. where she can be that dark and cunning and devious, also charming and kind and friendly. And like she she and she's an incredible actress. And so just being able to kind of like hit all of those different uh, attitudes that Tante Helene brings, I think yep. Nicole Kidman would play really well. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We've got our this or that. Let's jump into those real quick. Um, uh, what Grisha abilities would you want to have? Anything come to mind? So the immediately, like when people always ask what superpower would you want to have, everyone wants to say super strength. And so I immediately wanted to do the squalor, like wind and flying and all yep. the cool stuff, yep. whatnot. Yep. But when I really sat and thought about it, I think I went heart render. Okay. I think heart render has the most versatile abilities where they can heal and they can harm and they can, you know, calm and excite. Like they, they have a lot of like versatility and most of it can be used for very good things. So I went heart render. Nice. I went squalor, which is what you said before. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, mm, I don't know, that's really necessarily what I'd want. And I went with a fabricator. The Ooh, ability yeah. to, to make things change things, whatever else. I thought that was really neat. I did some reading into other uses of it. Uh, and it goes, because in the book, really the most of the fabricator we, that we've seen was them trying to break that chain. And mm-hmm. uh, and so you don't see a whole lot of it, but it was, it was very interesting to see... Um, and I guess there's two classes of fabricator. There's the the alchemist one, which is what Yul by Yor was. Uh, right. I was looking at the other one that could take physical objects and mend them and bold and, and bend them and 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 mold them and all those things. Uh, that was that was where I went. But I would also like to be able to control wind and fly around because my choice is always flight. I would always like to be able to. Yeah, fly. It's, it's super cool. Again, yes. squalor is definitely the more exciting one. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yes. But fabricator is another really practical one. It was my second choice, and especially when you read the Shadow and Bone series, they get deep into the real really cool things that fabricators can do. They have kind of a sky pirate guy who uh, he he's not a fabricator, but fabricators develop a lot of his like flying ships and things like that. So it's really cool. Nice. I I just, overall, I do want to say that these books are unique. Like they're not your typical 
hunger games young adult type things that these ones definitely bring a lot of uh genuine trauma that people deal with a lot of real life emotions as well as being in a fantasy world that feels lived in that's what star wars did so well it created a future that was lived in and felt used instead of all the shiny gleamy things of the 50s and 60s star wars came in and was like what if the future was like now and ships are beat up and gross and dusty and whatnot this does that this has a a a fantasy world that just feels very lived in and natural and the heist is exciting and and cunning and definitely worth the read i definitely recommend both of these books and the the shadow and bone book series the three are my least favorite of all of them they're very good they're worth the read but they're very young adults Mm -hmm. those are the more like hunger games type ones where it's girl star with special abilities wants to know what boy she's gonna marry whatever else but it's uh, (laughs) but they're worth the read they're good but they get better with six of crows and crooked kingdom Mm -hmm. and then there's another series after that that is just incredible Mm -hmm. because it builds on the first five books so the whole grisha verse is worth reading it really is add to my list add to my list so steve uh, we were talking earlier i said is there anything you want to plug and you said you know Still, Save Point Ministries. Yeah, doing a lot yeah. of stuff there. So share a little bit what's going on in Save Point Ministries. And also, you mentioned the Nerd Culture Ministry, ministry Summit. Summit. Yeah, so Save Point specifically, uh, we're an organization that helps people who are really nerdy and uh, because of that, find most of their community on the internet or in uh, you know on camera, things like this, uh, helps them find a nerd-friendly home church in their area. So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I, I have friends that play magic or I have friends that play D D or whatever else, but I just never felt a church where I feel comfortable. Mm. Hey, hit us up, savepointministries.com. We help find churches in your area that are comfortable with these things or that are utilizing these things. Like I know a church in, uh, in Portland that does a D small group where they get together, mm. play Dungeons and Dragons, and then afterward they have their Bible study. And like, mm. it's a, a way to make sure that they are getting to play D and and studying scripture every there week. There you go. So, I like it. Things like that. Yeah, I love it. So uh, we'd love for you guys to come by. Uh, on top of this, though, we do a lot of online content just for funsies. So come watch me play Tears of the Kingdom every Monday. Uh, pretty soon here, I'm going to be doing live pack openings for uh, Lorcana, the Disney TCG that's coming out soon. Nice. So I'm going to be doing some live pack openings for that. So yeah, just some fun stuff there. Uh, as far as NCMS goes, though, in November, if you're like uh, a part of a church uh, yeah, on staff or a volunteer at a church, The Nerd Culture Ministry Summit is coming in November. Uh, This is a conference that's helping teach churches and individuals how to utilize nerd culture to minister, to share the gospel with others. Because it is, it's so baffling to me, nerd culture, video games, board games, movies, things like this are based in community. They're steeped in community of people either getting together to play this game or to talk about this thing. And then the church doesn't utilize these things as much as we really should. Mm, right. And so it's just a great tool that the church isn't using. So NCMS is a conference that's there to help teach people and teach churches how to utilize nerd culture to share the gospel with people more. Mm. Uh, I'm one of the keynote speakers, which I'm really excited about. Uh, but there's a lot of other really great people there, like uh, Mike Erie is a really well-known theologian and writer who's going to be one of the keynote speakers there. Uh, Susie Live from God Squad Church uh, is a popular streamer who's going to be one of the keynote speakers there. So there's a lot of really cool stuff that's going to be going on. So yeah, check out the Nerd Culture Ministry Summit, and we'll to see you guys there yep i uh 
wish I could go, but I got a new job, so I can't. Uh, you know, that's I know. I know. But, but that is good, though. I mean, uh, you know, nerd culture an extremely unreached people group uh, yeah. who do not typically fit in with the um, social norms of your average American church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we go on mission trips all the time to other countries, uh, to underreached geographical areas. Uh, and this is one that's an underreached area that could be right near you. I mean, Carrie and I are getting ready to start looking at other churches, looking to find one. And that's what we've discussed is that, especially in our area, we live in a rural area. The number of churches that probably are geek friendly, nerd friendly are probably very small, very yeah. few. And yet there are plenty that don't feel like they belong because we live in a rural area. If you don't play football, you probably don't fit in. Uh, and so we're looking forward to trying to be that uh, for others coming up here soon. Mm-hmm, so, uh, mm-hmm. so yes, if you're involved in a church, you see the need there, uh, check it out. Uh, it's put on by several um, intentional online ministry groups. Uh, Love Thy Nerd being one of them, which is how Steve and I met and how yeah. uh, I've connected with a lot of guys is through, is through Love Thy Nerd. Um, but uh, it's definitely worth checking out to go and visit with. And even if at the very least you're just going to spend a couple days in Texas to spend a couple days around your people, uh, I, I think it'd be be worth the trip. Um, bummed I'm going to miss it, but maybe next year. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. I'll save my days for LTN Con, whenever that is. So that's, I'll yeah, save for yeah. that. That'll be good. That'll be good. Well, Steve, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, it's been a delight forward, as always. Look forward to doing the next one, whatever that is, whatever that topic yeah, is. Yeah. But thanks, man, for coming on. Right on. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. Thank you for spending some time with us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Not sure what it is yet, but it's going to be a good one. I can tell you already. Uh, of the episodes that we have coming up. There's some really good ones. We've got one where I'm talking with uh, Zeke and Charlie about Avengers 3 and 4. Uh, we're, I'm talking to Zeke about the time machine. I've got an episode coming up uh, with a buddy of mine on the book Infinite. Uh, I've got one coming out on The Last of Us. I've got one coming out on John Car- John Carter. It's a lot. There's a lot coming out. I'm very excited. I'm not sure which one, though, is going to come first. So uh, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Leave us a comment so I can read it on the next episode. Would love that. If you're listening on Apple iTunes, uh, if you're listening on iTunes Podcast, whatever they call the app, um, if you could leave us a review, that'd be great. I'll read that on the show. And here in a little while, I'm going to be giving out, sending out uh, a little prize pack for everyone who's filled out a review for us on iTunes. And uh, so make sure you do that so you can possibly win that prize pack. Uh, and if you fill out any review, even if you don't get the prize pack, I will send you something. I'll send you something. So make sure you fill that out, and I'll uh, reach out to you and get your address so you can get something from me with my face on it. Uh, if you head over to nextgennerd.com, you can sh- also share any episode that you want from there. You can share it to your socials, uh, email, um, write it in a little note, and mail it to somebody. I don't care. Share it, share it, share it. And if you want even more Next Gen Nerd, you can follow me on Instagram or on Twitter. There's not a whole lot on there because... I don't spend a whole lot of time on social media, uh, but we do post stuff on there, pictures of my kids, things that are going on, uh, hopefully in the near future, some clips that are coming up and um, of, of the show. So hopefully you guys can check that out and enjoy that. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, enjoyed being on here. Can't wait to uh, hear from you guys and comments and things like that. So until next time. Peace out. See you, Crest.